0: Hey, it's a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: Yeah, so I'm Max, uh, I work at Siblier, uh where we build a token streaming protocol. And I'm also on the side a student at the University of Montreal uh, in both math and, and physics.
0: So you're working at Sablier and at the same time you're doing a degree for mathematics and physics, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's just say that my degree is uh, is my hobby. And, uh, and 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 yeah, my 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 work at, uh, at simply primarily focuses on on operations. I would say um, so. It's mostly everything that has no, nothing to do with the technical side. Uh, because my my strategy has always been to in my studies to go on the technical side while on the um, work side to go in everything that hasn't anything to do with the technical side. So that once I finish my studies, I will be as multidisciplinary as possible and just be able to address um all the sides of of the business i would say
0: yeah i think that's a very interesting approach you get the business skills and experience and you still are able to yeah you know uh, do the technical aspects of it and sounds like you have a lot on your plate and how do you manage your time how do you make it work between your work and your hobby University. So
1: <laughs> it's, not, it's not a hobby to be honest. I, I was joking there. Um, I, I would say one of the advantages uh, with Sableer is that it's, it's fully remote. Um, so, you know, I, I can work uh, wherever I want, whenever I want. So it's also asynchronous, um, which, which is a big advantage. Uh, we, we have a culture at, at Sableer where we are pretty much uh, against uh, calls in general. Um, so we minimize as much as possible calls and we really focus on asynchronous um, text-based conversations uh, because they work much better in our experience for remote work. Um, and so in that regard, it's, it's much easier to mix with, with, with studies um, because I can work whenever I have free time in my studies. I can up- directly focus on Year, uh, get some get some tasks done, um usually also take some advances for the 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 future weeks um and then yeah i i I can manage it that way um so so yeah i don't think it would be possible if it were um a physical uh you know uh, go to the actual um uh, office uh, type of job i i I don't think I, I, i don't think that would work
0: yeah i agree that having a remote work possibility opens so many doors and allows you to be so much more productive Just correct it's keeping the commute in itself it's already such a big step up there and you know there's another thousand other optimizations that you can implement during your day to make you do 10 times more than you should be able to do going to a, an actual office yeah um, exactly can you can you tell us a little bit more about sablier and what you actually do for the company
1: yeah, so um at Sableyer we build a token streaming protocol. Um uh, right now it's the leading uh streaming protocol in crypto and so what token streaming is basically is um if I want to send you a hundred dollars over a month, I can do so using Sableyer and every second of the month you will receive a fraction of those hundred dollars. So effectively it's like streaming a song on Netf- uh song on Spotify or a movie on Netflix, except here it's with money. Um and so we are really um shifting the way payments work by uh, synchronizing them with time, essentially, where every second you receive a fraction of the total payments. And so uh, at Sableyer I focus mostly on, you know, everything that has to do with marketing, sales, customer support, uh, organizing events, um, creating contents, uh, some strategy too, um, also some, you know, uh, coding tasks, uh, but mostly it's really non-technical, I would say.
0: Right, right, yeah. I think save it's one of the few protocols that has direct use case in crypto. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, and... we we are very proud of the fact. So, so sorry to interrupt. we we are very proud to to uh, of the fact that we actually have real product market fit. Like our TVL is like I think between hundred and two hundred million dollars right now, and it's not in, not a, not incentivized. So uh, we have never given yield rewards or any type of. Or airdrop or farming or whatever um, so it's yeah it's a, an actual real use case which is actually really being used right now in crypto uh, which yeah is no, I think
0: it's wonderful I think we definitely need more save out there doing things that are yeah. actual actually important that and useful for people and
1: companies correct
0: and how do you end up getting this role
1: Yeah, so I worked uh, previously at HiFi, so I was hired when I was 17 um, uh, at HiFi, which is a company building um, uh, a fixed rate lending protocol. And at the time, I initially worked there on the community aspect, and from there evolved mostly on working in marketing and that kind of stuff. Um, And HiFi had initially acquired Sableer uh, back in the day. Uh, and so i worked with paul who is now the ceo at Siblier, um on a regular basis at hi-fi and then eventually Siblier got so successful uh without any marketing uh we reached i think over a billion dollars in, in in tvl uh back in 2021 uh, i mean it, it just got so successful and again without any marketing uh, we did nothing we we just laid, laid it there uh, because the whole team was focused on the hi-fi landing protocol, which we were building at the time. And so um, it just got so successful that um, Paul uh, started to think, oh, uh, maybe we should spin out, um, which, which is kind of ironic given it was acquired uh, a few years earlier. Um, and so because when it, when it was acquired, um, Sableader wasn't successful. So I, I, I think it had something like 100000 hundred thousand, two hundred thousand $200,000 in TVL. And so it's really, once it got acquired, that's, unfortunately, it got really successful. Um, and so, uh, and so, yeah, we decided to spin out. Uh, I, I joined Sablear uh, with the move and uh, that's where I got.
0: Nice, nice. So you got your first job in this industry really, really young at 17. What is your advice for people that are still in high school or just starting uni and are looking to get into space? what's your device for them to get a role in this industry um,
1: i mean the fascinating thing with crypto is that you don't need any degrees or anything um i mean people usually say that for startups but w- when you apply for a traditional startup they they say that but it still matters uh like they will still give you bonus points if you do have a degree uh in crypto uh they really don't care like you, you could be hired by a dao uh, like as an anonymous person and they wouldn't even know that you are 17, 14, whatever. Um, so I think this anonymity, uh, or or at least pseudonymity, pseudonymity um, helps, uh, you know, people who are very young, who are, in general speaking, uh, inexperienced, but who may be very talented and who should have their rightful place in the industry. Um, and so in that regard, I think crypto is the best place to, to get started. And if I were to do it again, I would just join a ton of discords, become active, um you know there are a ton of opportunities to work for uh decentralized organizations and these types of, of fields um you know bounties they're just tons of opportunities
0: right so join all the discourse that you might be interested in working for the company exactly see if they have any work available any bounties trying to engage with the community trying to see exactly. how it, where you can bring value those sort of things and you might not get noticed and they actually don't care you know who you are how old are you you know if you're going if you're doing good work yeah. you're likely to get hired
1: correct yeah I, I think in general if you're um trustworthy in the space that's all that matters uh because trust is very hard ironically in crypto uh where we are building trustless systems and so um you know if you have integrity if you have you know if you're a professional i think you can really get a, a long way in crypto
0: yeah, I think that's true as well. I think having discipline and showing good work can take you a long way in this industry. Exactly. Because it's one of the best industries for, uh, let's say, an almost pure meritocracy.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a free market, right? Adam Smith would be proud. It's like the perfect implementations <laughs> of free markets where there are no there's no regulation, there are no rules. It's just um, Darwin, Darwinian financial evolution and you just... Uh, build on top of the, the failures of others and I think that's one actually one of the beautiful things about crypto and also one of the reasons why I don't think we need regulation for crypto um, because the industry reinforces itself uh, over time through its failures uh, I mean you know the the scandal with FTX got a lot of uh, led to the creation of a lot of companies to uh, audit uh, companies financially speaking, um, to track metrics, um, to, you know, to do all these things to prevent uh, new FTXs of happening. And so if you introduce regulation, you limit that ability for the ecosystem itself to naturally strengthen. And so by doing so, you actually weaken the, the industry because you don't allow it to strengthen itself over time. Um, and so it, it, it's kind of like counterintuitive, uh, but you are better off in the long run uh, by having no regulation than by having regulation, which helps in the short run, but hurts you in the long run, I would say.
0: So your argument basically boils down to um, the systems that are going to arise from this are going to prevent crime altogether.
1: I, I mean, not altogether, obviously, but in in a large part, um, a large I think part. you will see demands for these types of systems. And, you know, just like in any capitalistic system, when there's demands, offer comes and um, people meet, meet that demand. Um, and so, it, 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 you know, after FTX, there was a lot of demand the for these types of solutions. They arrived, and they are still arriving. And so, in that regard, I think, I think it just makes a ton of sense to avoid regulation altogether because you have much more innovation, you aren't limited by all that bureaucracy, and yet you're still safe in the long run. Uh, in the short run, obviously, you have to go through a lot of pain. Um, that's, a, that's a cost you have to pay, essentially
0: yeah i think it's a, a bit of a anonymous race right because with innovation there comes more and more opportunity for new types of scams to emerge exactly right? that's the problem and if you don't have any regulation then you might end up just getting more and more scams because the innovation keeps getting forward and forward and that Correct. never like pans out so i Correct. think you know being fully regulated um the way some people are yeah for is definitely um probably on the worst side of ideas. You know, obviously you want to leave room for innovation and for better things. But on the other hand, I'm not sure if having no regulation would actually end up um, being that net positive just because of the nature of the disruptive innovation of crypto. I think that it could actually end up never catching up. If like the systems could have like could end up not being immature enough to ever catch up to the latest scam or whatever, um, but-
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's a mouse, mouse race, right? So it's always uh, the scammer puts the next step and then you have to always match and always match and always match. Uh, but I guess you could say the same thing about regulation, which is that once it's introduced, the scammers can just do the next thing and innovate essentially in terms of their scams and then just counter the regulation. Um, well, with, with actual innovation through capitalism, um, people actually have an incentive to always match the latest scams, which regulation can't do because of all the bureaucracy, all the incentives, and, and that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I think there is actually an argument for it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not married married with the IG. Um, but I think in, in general, generally speaking, uh, less regulation is better than more regulation. Uh, generally speaking.
0: Yeah, no, I'm definitely trying to play devil's advocate here. I think you know the the incentives for uh protocols and project is way stronger to build systems yeah. that are actually going to be robust than for Correct. regulatory organs to figure out a way to keep up with the innovation for sure yeah. but you know there's always room to be wrong on both sides of course and be cautious in a way so who knows what's what would be actually the best path in the wrong yeah. long run maybe a sol- a little sprinkle of of regulation yeah <laughs> could, could be common a good common sense you know um some other unpopular opinions you have are around DAOs being a terrible idea do you want to share oh with yeah. this a little bit it's it,
1: <laughs> so so there's a actually very um a very slow way of doing things um and i think in general speaking like uh people in crypto tend to think oh um you know, we we'll, we built this protocol. We can now decentralize it. We're done. Uh, you know, we, we reached I don't know. Uh, let's, let's imagine. Oh, we reached a uh, billion dollars in TVL. Fine. Uh, we can decentralize it. Give it to the community, and, and we're good to go. Um, no, I don't. I, I don't. I don't think that's the right way of doing things. We are still so 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 early. Um, your your billion dollars in TVL is nothing compared to the trillions and trillions and trillions that there are in, in financial markets, and your, your little uh, poor call, uh, which is just decentralized, isn't going to match the uh, scalability requirements and the risk requirements uh, imposed by traditional finance. Um, that's just not going to happen. So, centralizing now doesn't make sense, in my opinion, in that regard. And then, second point is the fact that when you look at the uh, way DAOs operates, they are, like we call them decentralized autonomous organizations, but they aren't decentralized and they aren't autonomous. Um, Calling something decentralized, I I would say Ethereum is in a lot of ways centralized. Um, You know, with staking, there are probably a lot of uh, newly introduced centralized attack factors. but Ethereum is is you know relatively decentralized. But then when you, when you look at the average DAO protocol on Ethereum in DeFi or whatever, um, it's not decentralized. It's a plutocracy controlled by VCs and insiders. Um, and we have we have to be honest here. It's it's that, that's not necessarily a problem, but at least admit it. <laughs> it's not decentralized. Um, it it it's fine if you want to let your VCs and insiders run the protocol, but that's not decentralization. Uh, decentralize this if you had actually the whole, all all your users or whatever taking part in, in, in the in the port call and not just a few whales, um, which is basically just a, a, a plutocracy. Um, so I think there's this um, uh, theater show in, in, in crypto where we pretend, oh, you know, let's decentralize this, let's run a DAO. Um, well, in reality, you basically just made the system worse off with this a bit more decentralized than it was when it was initially in the startup that built it. Um, but it's now much, much slower to innovate, a bit more decentralized, but still very, very centralized, and there isn't much coming out of it. Um, so I, I, and, and you also introduce a ton of attack factors. Uh, a lot of DAOs have been attacked by people uh, manipulating the token price and then buying a ton of it and then you know, selling it and then you know these types of things. Um, so I'm not convinced it's the right strategy yet. Uh, maybe in the future, uh, but but I, I don't think we are there yet. And I think in general, in general, when you look at Ethereum, for example, I think their approach to um, governance is very elegant. It's off-chain social governance. Um, you know, it's the developers, the people who actually know um, what what needs to be done and what, what is actually happening. Um, that that discussed together. They need to get the actual um, approval from, from. I mean, previously it was the miners, now it's the stakers. Um, and so, uh, and from the, the users and everything. Uh, if there's a disagreement, they can always uh, figure it out or, or, or fork, even though forking is not more difficult. Um, but they can, they can always process it. Um, so, I don't think there's an actual need in most cases for, um, you know, a DAO type of. Type of thing. Uh, I think off chain social governance is much more elegant, especially because token holders have no clue about what needs to be done for a protocol. Um, I mean, you don't let your company, um, like a traditional company, wouldn't let its investors run the company. No, it's the investors who appoint someone to run the company, and that someone that runs the company in a centralized way. There is a reason why that model has worked for 300 years um it's because it, it actually has proven to survive and i don't think uh investors running the business works uh they, their incentives just aren't matched for the long run
0: yeah i think there's a nice parallel between daos as they are right now and let's say the idea of communism you know early in the <laughs> days where it's a it's a nice utopia and i could see myself you Correct. know let's say before we had the social experiments, we had the countries that like signed up for this. I could see myself thinking like, that sounds nice, that could work. You know, obviously we all know that it doesn't work at all. It's a very bad (laughs) idea. And I think that's the, in my mind, that's the parallel to Dallas right now. It sounds like a good idea, but the implementation of it and the execution has a lot of flaws. But on the other hand, one could say that it is the most democratic version of a company that, you could arguably be, get just to an extent you know it can help well, avoid tyranny and exploitation um well, if things well, are distributed equally
1: um yeah i'm, I'm actually not sure I, I agree with that because y- you could do it like uh rye uh this stablecoin did it which is so so what rye uh, like reflexor rye did is that they they launched their poor call and then they said we're progressively just going to remove governance and so they had this ungovernance beam, where they ungovernance the the poor um, and so they basically barely have any governance left. I, I don't think governance has any power anymore, even on on, on the poor call. Um, and as a user, if you disagree, or as a developer, if you disagree, well, you can just fork rye and build your build your own version. It's very democratic. You can just vote with your feet, and just leave the protocol and the community. Um, so it's it's actually as democratic as it gets. You just don't need the governance, the on-chain token governance. Uh, you can still have off-chain social governance and build on the top, top of the protocol or work with others to build a new version of the protocol. Um, but you don't need the actual token-gated governance, I think.
0: Yeah, and speaking of tokens, you also mentioned that less than 1% of the tokens nowadays <laughs> have any real reason to exist and you know everything else is just trash essentially so (laughs) what what gives a token a real reason to exist what are the properties that we're looking for
1: i i i wouldn't say it's trash um but it's it's cash drops you're doing it to raise to raise money and there's no actual use case behind it and and that's okay if you want to make money Uh, but i think a, a lot of people in crypto. Uh, again, it's like this theater show where they pretend that they are investing in something with real, tangible value. Uh, you know, uh, like Ben Ben Graham, like you know, would be very proud of like actual um, actual stocks. You know, uh, but no, it, it's just worthless governance tokens. It's it's not better than your latest Pokemon card uh, because no, like no actual speculator actually cares about the governance part. Like they they all say they do. They all say, oh no, governance is a use case. And yet they never vote, so it's just, it's this hypocrisy, um, and 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 so go- governance is not an actual use case. Um, so so for governance is a bad idea, and it's not an actual use case. An actual use case is like um, Ethereum. When you have Ether, Ether is an actual currency. It's used for staking. It's used to pay uh, on the network as a currency. It, it, it has a ton of different use cases. Um, I think uh, synthetics has also an elegant approach. Where you have to stake the tokens in order to mint uh, new uh, synthetic assets, um, and so it's it's essentially this like type of like depth system based on, on their token, uh, which I think is also fairly elegant. Um, and then you have you know systems like uh, the graph, for example, where you have to um, stake tokens to uh, curate certain subgraphs. Uh, you pay in the graph tokens. Um, I, I I think if you want to run a subgraph or, or something uh, or an indexer, you also have to stake tokens. Um, so it's this uh, very utility-based system where it actually makes sense, but for most protocols, you could just use Ether or whatever stable coin, what, which, which 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 actually makes sense. Um, I think one of the arguments uh, used for uh, the, the Ave, for example, for the existence of the Ave token was that um, there is an Ave pool where uh, users can actually stake their token, and if Ave is ever hacked uh they can get their funds back through that um uh, through that pool um so it's like, sort of like a buffer uh, or insurance pool um but you could do the same thing with ether or usdc if you were decentralized centralized or uh, die if you want to pretend you're centralized decentralized but you are actually centralized um so it's you, you don't need your actual token um in, in most cases you really don't
0: right And I think sometimes protocols, they can present very complex mechanisms to the point that it gets hard to discern what is a valid use case and what is not a valid use case. You know, like, when is this token actually necessary and when this token is not actually necessary? Would you have any tips for someone trying to make their own mind up, looking at a protocol that they just found? If, If you were looking at X protocol, what's... What would you, what would be like maybe some red flags that this token is not actually doing anything or is not necessary in the mechanism? And I know this is a a very, uh, might be a hard question to answer because there are so many variants, but um, of course, maybe you can give us a little bit of a a mindset,
1: yeah. Uh, I think in general, um, well, all you need to do is basically just ask your question, what if, um, They were using uh, ether or another just like another traditional token. uh, Would it work? Um, And if 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 it doesn't, uh, then you actually have a reason uh, to use uh, a token. If it does, then there's no reason. Uh, And you know it's like for rollups, for example. Uh, You know optimism, arbitrum, they all introduced their token. I'm pretty sure uh, they could all run using ether. Uh, I, I don't think they need their token. And I think, especially for optimism and you know arbitrum, on-chain governance for these types of networks is, in my opinion, a terrible idea uh, because it just completely breaks the this idea of credible neutrality, where you want to show developers that they can just build on the long run in the long run, while knowing that the governance won't turn uh, uh, their back against them. Um, and so, um, yeah, just to ask the question. Could it, could it run with another token?
0: Yeah, I think that's a good way to generalize it and approach something that you have no idea. I think it's a, a simple way to approach it. Um, and now, I think we can switch gears a little bit. You're interested in very different subjects. So, I wanted to ask you about quantum computing <laughs> and how much would that change our world and what sort of things would be made possible
1: yeah so so i i, I think there's a lot of uh, hype in the media about quantum computing i think it's like ai back in the day where and, and still today actually where people think oh you know ai uh, et cetera um well they actually usually conflate um agi with ai uh which is really very different um but when it comes to quantum computing, there's this idea that it will just revolutionize everything, it will change the world, and uh, yeah, I think in a lot of ways it will change the world, but not in the way people think it will. Um, essentially you just get, for specific tasks, you get uh, orders of magnitude more um, computing power, um, which can be just incredibly useful for a ton of different uh, use cases. Um, but for others, it's not actually better than a traditional computer. Uh, now, the advantage of a quantum computer is that it should be able to simulate a traditional computer, so you can run a traditional computer in a quantum computer. Um, so it's, it's probable that in the very long-term future, once we have an actually uh, viable um, quantum computer, uh, we will be able to just use it all the time, and we will just completely um, forget about traditional computers. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, the interest in, in my case comes from the fact that it's, it's a very, very young field. Uh, we are still very, very early. Um, the current existing, existing quantum computers um, are rarely actual quantum computers and actually um, uh, performing well uh, when it comes to uh, computation they're usually very, very limited in terms of computing power because we still haven't figured out how to scale them well over, you know, thousands uh, and eventually, hopefully millions of qubits. Um, And so it's, we're still there early. There's a lot of hype, a lot of scams probably too. uh, But in the long run, I think it's a very promising technology.
0: Right. And what would be one of the areas that quantum computers would make a difference? So, from what he said, it would probably be something that takes advantage of a quicker time. So making huge, huge calculations and where where do you see that that could be a huge shifting factor?
1: Yeah, I mean, traditionally, um, encryption, for example, or certain things in mathematics would, I mean, be, be an obvious use case uh, f- for it. Uh, I think there, there are probably uh, things in, in, in many other fields like healthcare, probably, uh, where a lot more we remember that competition could be harnessed in a very uh, efficient way. Um, but generally speaking, it's like any other, um, any new technology. You don't really know yet the use cases. Uh, right. You know, AI, um, who could have predicted that ChatGPT would become so, so successful? Um, I, I You know, VR, for example, um, the, the, the initial bet was that, oh, we will all have this, this headset, and now we have Apple coming with the Apple Vision Pro, which is actually a very different implementation from what, what it originally uh, felt and looked like. Um, so, so it's very hard to 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 predict the 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 use cases early on. Uh, but I think it will transform a lot of fields, uh, a lot of them.
0: And some say that quantum computing is a threat to crypto. What are, do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean it's like. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an early field, there's a lot of speculation, um, most investors probably don't really know uh, what it is and how it works. They just heard the term quantum computing, they read it in the media, they are bullish on it, uh, but they don't really get it, um, which is just like crypto. Um, you are at the forefront of innovation, you know, at the frontier of innovation. Uh, Which means, yeah, just a lot of scams, a lot of innovation too, but a lot of scams, a lot of hype. Um, I think there are a lot of similarities. Uh, Just like AI back in the day, uh, probably VR, AR too. Uh, You know, these new technologies attract um, a lot of the same uh, demographics uh, because of their nature, I guess.
0: Right. And another topic that you and apparently the whole team assembly here is really into is longevity. So yeah. what habits and activities do you practice and how much do you believe they're going to extend your lifespan?
1: So, so my, my, my contrary better that regard is that we will, uh, our generation will be able to live, um, probably much, much longer, if not indefinitely, um, thanks to the advances with regards to medication and these types of things, um, just because there's this like sort of escape velocity where uh, let's say you uh, you did you you did all these things to extend your life by 20 years so now you live to 100 years for example but during those 20 years that gives time to uh, the the medical industry to invent new ways to extend your life and then during those 20 years you can extend them by let's say 30 years and then in the next 30 years they can extend your life by 50 years And, and so there's this escape velocity where you just get out of the traditional um, limits of aging and eventually you can live indefinitely um, unless you get run over by a car uh, which will be probably be one of the f- leading causes of death over like, some type of similar accident um, and I think disease in, in general general will just be uh, forgotten um, but generally speaking what I'm doing right now is actually very basic I, I, I just take care of my sleep I work out and I try to eat healthy uh, I think if you do these basics, you probably get 80% of the benefits, it's, you know, it's like the the priority principle. Um, so you can just go much further. Um, I know uh, Paul, my boss at Sable here, is very much into longevity and does a lot of things, um, you know, uh, just like taking a ton of supplements, uh, focusing a lot with like blue light and just doing all these different things. And I I I guess you can optimize it that way, uh, but the benefits will probably be comparatively smaller. Um, and I think you can get the most benefits just by focusing on these these uh, three things.
0: Right, right, yeah, I agree. I think sleep and exercise are the number two things, and nutrition, obviously, um, that can change your not only your longevity, but your quality of life, you know, just have exactly. one go good night's sleep, you know, like, whoa, I feel good, you know, if you yeah. feel good many nights in a row, no one is going to live longer. Um, and in your website, I have a bunch of interesting resources. I'll leave the link in the description for anyone want to check it out. It has Thank anything you. ranging from physics to personal development, and there two resources that I found that were particularly interesting to me and I was wondering if you can explain them a little bit. um, On the book by David Deutsch, The Beginning of Infinity, and also on the Anthropic Principle from Brad Hall.
1: Yeah, so um, The Beginning of Infinity is a book uh, from David Deutsch that I read uh, I think a year or two ago uh, and which really shaped um, my, my worldview. Um, so I basically view everything there through 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 his lens, um, and and I think it's just an incredible book. Um, I, I I've read uh, probably just like tens and tens and tens of books in the past few years, and this is not like to brag or anything. It's just to show that this book is like better than all these books combined. Like if if I were to just read one book, I would just read it, this one over and over again, and just would forget about forget about everything else. Um, it's it's just miles above all the others. Um, and so in terms of um, concepts, it's, it's it's a very uh, multidisciplinary book because it covers just like a ton of different subjects. Uh, but the general idea of the beginning of, of infinity is that we are at the beginning of infinity and we will, that we will always be at the beginning mm-hmm. of infinity and that we can always um, infinitely, essentially, uh, innovate, grow and expand our, our, our quality of life um, and, and and I think it's this very optimistic uh, worldview and it is a very optimistic way of, of, of viewing things about the world um, and this is something which has really changed the way I, I, I see the world because we have this very traditionally very pessimistic uh, outlook on life um, at least here in Europe where I come from where it's always about oh uh, growth is, is very bad uh, capitalism is very bad and um, you know these types of things uh, whereas well, we have never lived as well as we live today Uh, our quality of life has never been better and when you when you look back uh, i think it was back in the just right before the industrial revolution happened um nearly 50 percent of children died before reaching the age of 15. so when you look at how in 300 years we were able to massively uh, improve our quality of life to the point uh, that now it's you don't even worry as a parent i think I'm not a parent yet, but you don't even worry that your child will die uh, before they reach the age of 15. It's just not a question you ask yourself anymore. Mm. Um, So I I think our our quality of life has just increased so massively um, that these critiques of growth and capitalism are very, uh, first, in a sense, hypocritical, uh, but second, also just completely wrong. Um, It's just great.
0: Yeah, I think it's an interesting perspective, because most contrarians would say, well, things can not keep growing forever, you know, like they say capitalism is like always growing, 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 If things yeah. can keep growing forever, but I think what I felt really interesting when I started looking at that book is that it's not about the growth, but it's about like a longevity perspective, like the, the concept Correct. of infinity, and you're always, you're always at the beginning of something. Yes. so it's not like you're climbing this mountain that has no end i mean growth is not yeah it's not about the growth of this mountain it's more about this journey that keeps going
1: yeah and you can infinitely optimize something um there, there's no actual like even in terms of physics you like you, you will always be able to optimize it to 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 the latest, like m- micrometer, <laughs> yeah, that that that, that follows a lot of physics. Splitting the numbers up, exactly. You know. Exactly. Like zero point so zero
0: you, 0001, zero one, zero point zero 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 zero. To infinity,
1: exactly. Exactly. So yeah. t- there's basically no end, um, and we can keep living better, basically, just by inventing new technologies, and um, and you know improving our quality of life.
0: Yeah, and can you tell us a, a little bit about the Anthropic? principle yes
1: yeah so if you have a principle is basically that the universe is i mean it's kind of like a tautology in the sense that it's um oh our universe is actually weirdly made in a way that allows the existence of uh, observers which is us basically um which is obvious because if it weren't we wouldn't be there um so there's this kind of like yeah uh tautological aspect I, I, I would say to it uh, whereas it's, it's it's always true um, and so yeah it's it's this idea of uh, is there like the, the universe is weirdly fine-tuned um, just like um, species were like b- back back in, in, in the day when the, you know you, you had Darwin and then you, you know people thought oh you know it's weird that uh, the, mm-hmm. these species are, are so um, um, specialized like so well made uh, to conform with their habitat and ecosystem. Um, you know, uh, that can't be natural. It's it's, it's God doing it. Um, and so I, I, I think eventually we will find an explanation for why that is the case. Um, why all our, um, uh, you know, all the constants in physics, uh, you know, gravity, whatever, uh, are, are made in a way that allows life um, and why, h- how that happens, uh, but yeah, right now we don't know. And, and so people appeal to the supernatural. Uh, whereas I think there's a, there's obviously a, a rational explanation.
0: Yeah. So basically I think a good way to maybe summarize this is that it's about there being an underlying metric that makes life almost unavoidable. The universe, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that, that's really cool. I, I think that's a good sentiment. Um I don't think that life is just a a lucky sparkle. I think there's too many coincidences for, for it to be able to happen. But who knows? And who knows? I have one <laughs> last question for you. If you found a genie that knew everything it could you could ask him one question why would you ask him
1: that's a very good question um, I would say uh, I, I would probably ask I mean that's that's like an infinite regress but I would probably ask what the um, uh, or actually no I, I probably ask what the uh, perfect uh, model of governance is for for humans <laughs> Because if you can have the perfect model of governance for humans, then you can organize humans in the perfect way. And then you can figure out the solutions for all the problems in our universe. And so there's no point in asking other questions. Um, so, and yeah. And then we
0: can fix DAOs.
1: Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, uh, because, because, you know, I, I think democracy is great. Um, it, it, it's, it's probably the, the least bad way we know right now of governing people it, without violence um obviously you can you know go into the type of like technocratic models of singapore for example um but these are like more authoritarian and then if if the leader at one point in time makes uh, terrible decisions and becomes uh, uh, a uh tyrants um there is actually no way of removing these people from from power i mean i, I don't know the specifics of singapore but generally speaking in a, in a dictatorship Um, And I'm not saying that Singapore is a dictatorship, by the way, just as an example, wrongfully. Uh, But if you just take like the general dictatorship, it's very hard to remove that person from power without violence. Uh, You basically always just have to have a revolution or a coup. And so um, democracy, in that regard, is the best way of doing things because you can remove uh, people who aren't fit for power in in the most efficient way without violence. Um, But there's probably a better way. There's probably a way to improve it. Um, And so if we can figure that out uh, because I I mean, I don't mean to say that our democracies are particularly very efficient right now. Um, I think it's hard to say that uh, we we could make things much better. We could align the incentives of our politicians much better with the actual interests of of, of the country. And so in that regard, um, if you could uh, find a system which aligns all these incentives together, uh, while still having this idea of um, if, if the person isn't fit for the power, we can just remove them without violence. Um, If you are able to do so, you basically just figured out how to, uh, like all the solutions to whatever you can think of, um, because humanity will be able to organize itself in such a way that you will be able to figure out any problem you encounter.
0: Yeah, I think democracy definitely sucks, but it's the best (laughs) thing you have right now. Exactly. From all the systems, it's the one that's working the least worse. And it's a really hard problem governance, because you have to find it's almost a, a fine tuning exercise of structures and incentives, Exactly. and there's so many ways that it can be done. But every iteration has to be played over such a long time span, that Correct. is hard to try this one out and then see if that works, Correct. which is one of the reasons why I think DAOs are really interesting because I think yeah. it's a speed run of those types of systems. Exactly. And I think that's going to push forward our governance system a lot when we actually figure it out because it, in testing these microcosms in like in this faster speeds is a good way to iterate and there's not that much at stake. Correct. And I think eventually we're going to find mechanisms that work way better. I think, for me, one of the biggest issues is that it's hard to put someone in power that doesn't want to be in power. And those Mm -hmm. are usually one of the best leaders. Yeah. And it's just a tricky problem. How do we incentivize those people? And then once you incentivize them, they might change their mind. Um. So yeah, it's definitely something hard. And if I find a genie, I think I might steal your question as well.
1: Yeah and 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 I think it's it it kind of boils down to um so uh one of the uh, major influences on, on David Deutsch was Karl Popper who was this uh, big philosopher in the 20th century and uh one of the ideas of, of Popper is that uh there's a big problem uh, when it comes to communism and you know these types of things is that it's a form of um utopian social engineering, basically. So what they try to do is basically what they did in Brazil with the Brasilia city, is that they try to build the whole thing at once, and just like the whole model where humans have to fit in. But the problem is that um, our human society, and especially when you have like billions of different um, uh, humans just operating in different way and interacting, you cannot predict how they are going to behave around that system. And so... You can't The that idea of okay, we are going to deliver this whole system all at once like they did in Brasilia or with communism where they just create this whole system and then you have to fit into it, it doesn't work because you can't you can never predict how humans are going to behave around that system. And so what what you need to, to to finish what what you need is you need um, sort of like piecemeal improvements where you try you, you do something, you try it out, you see if it works, and then you improve. But as you said, the problem is that in democracy in our society, you need to you need to try it on like fifty years, a hundred years, two hundred years, and even then it, 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 you may still not have actually found the right truth. Maybe it will break after two hundred fifty years, um, uh, and so it, it, it it's very hard. And in that regard, crypto is perfect. It's the perfect testing space both for financial innovation and for this uh, governance innovation um, because it's it's just uh, wild anarchy markets, where you can just do whatever you want, experiment, see if it works, and then just be run it, uh, because of the incentives it brings to, to, to speculators.
0: Do you think that quantum computing could ever simulate that kind of thing, that those kind of experiences simulate human behavior?
1: Um, maybe, I, I, I don't think there's actually a lot of physics um, limiting that. Uh, but I think it's it's probably very 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 far off. Um, I mean, we, we we barely even know how the brain works, um, we, we, which is actually surprising given uh, you, know, you know you have all of these people uh, focusing on AGI. Um, well, in fact, they're working on AI, which is very different. But uh, they're they're all focusing on AGI. So AGI is this idea of let's basically create sort of like human, but you know in on a computer, um, like sort of like artificial form of consciousness, but we don't even know how consciousness works. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, I just don't get how, how we will get there without even understanding what it actually is in the first place. Um, and so I think, yes, it, it's just a very, very, very uh, long time before we, we get there.
0: Yeah, I think we as humans, we are very ambitious and sometimes arrogant in the amount of things that we know. <laughs> I think as we stand right now, we have figured out many things about the world around us and the universe, but at the same time, it feels like we don't know anything, we are at and the I beginning that of infinity. that goes back to the, the beginning of infinity, yeah. right? <laughs> we don't even know how our own heads work, and You're correct. we're here trying to build a super entity. And live on Mars.
1: Exactly. Yeah, which is so great I don't by know the way know if that's ambition inspiring is great. or dumb. Yeah, I I, I think a mission is great. Uh and I, I don't think we should stop with that. Um but I think we should realise when we are going the wrong way, uh which I think we are with AI and AGI, which is that AI is this very um uh, narrow, um specific very specific um uh, algorithm. Whereas AGI is this thing which can learn anything, whatever you give it, it can learn it just like a human, Um, and it's it's fit to do everything that can be approached in life, even new things which the original creator hasn't thought about. Um, Well, that's not the case with AI. Um, If you give a completely new thing to an AI, to current AI like ChatGPT, it will have no clue, Um, and so these things are very different. And when when people say, oh, well, there are sparks of AGI in, in ChatGPT or whatever, um, I think you would honestly feel it if there were actual sparks of AGI. I think you would actually feel it, that you are actually talking to something which is conscious. Uh, you would be able to differentiate it from uh, an actual algorithm which is just running on your computer. Um, but that's not the case. Uh, it's still just uh, an algorithm which is predicting the next word, um, it, it, what, what an answer to.
0: Yeah. I think the, the feeling is subjective, but I think there's a, maybe a quantitative difference of output that we could, we could discuss, you know, Correct. I think that, that would be a stark contrast between what we have now and what AGI would actually be like.
1: Correct. Yeah. I, I, I definitely agree.
0: Yeah. Well, Max, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for coming over and having this chat.
1: Thank you. It was great talking to you.